0: Um, This reading is in Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Friday, Christmas
1: Day. We are having the most extraordinary Christmas Day imaginable. A sort of unarranged, And quite unauthorized but perfectly observed truce exists between us and our friends in front. Large numbers of both sides had left their trenches, unarmed, and met in the shot-riddled no-man's land between the lines. The men were all fraternizing in the middle, in the utmost good fellowship. Not a shot was fired all night." Good evening, everyone. My name is Johnny. I'm the pastor of the church here. Let me add my my welcome to Alan's. We're very, very glad to have you with us this evening. You may have gathered that the words I've just spoken weren't mine, at least not when they were first spoken. That was an extract from the diary of Captain Robert Miles, dated the 25th of December, 1914. That was the day during the First World War, the now famous day, when men from both sides of the conflict stopped shooting. And it really is a famous day, the Christmas Truce. It's a day that has captured the imagination of filmmakers and authors and poets, and even, as some of you might remember, the makers of Sainsbury's adverts ever since. And you can see why, can't you? Amidst the horrors of war, peace broke out, and broke out at Christmas of all times, the season of peace on earth and goodwill to all men. And the, the enduring attractiveness of that story isn't just because it's a sentimental story. It's because it is such a clear picture of what it is that we all so long for, a picture of peace on earth, hostility between people at an end. And isn't that something we've longed for in 2023? It has been a year of conflict, hasn't it? An estimated 60 million people have been displaced as a result of global conflicts this year alone. We've seen wall-to-wall footage of the war in Gaza, Gaza and Israel in the media over recent weeks, and that footage followed hot on the heels of similar scenes from Ukraine and Russia earlier in the year. We live in a world which is so obviously not at peace. It is, in many ways, a dark, dark place indeed. Don't we long for another Christmas truce? albeit a permanent one this time. Well, that's why we've just read those verses, those famous Christmas verses from Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah wrote around 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and he wrote to a particular group of people in his day who were themselves facing down a conflict. It was a war that he said would bring with it distress, darkness, The gloom of anguish. But it's into that darkness, the darkness of war, that light, Christmas light, breaks. That's going to be the very first of two very brief thoughts I'll share over the next ten minutes or so. That the good news of Christmas is news of light dawning in the darkness. The more vigilant among you might have clocked that light and darkness has been a theme this evening in some of our carols and our songs. And that theme hasn't been our bright idea, if you'll excuse the dreadful pun. It has been Isaiah's. Just read with me again. If you have one of the service sheets with you, just have that open in front of you, if you would, to that reading from Isaiah. And from the first line of that reading on the service sheet. The people who walked in darkness, writes Isaiah, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And as we read on, the dawning of that light, well, it looks something like the dawning of daybreak for the troops in the trenches on Christmas Day 1914. The light that shines in the darkness of war brings peace. This time, look down to line four on that reading. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, writes Isaiah. Every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Isaiah pictures a bonfire on an epic scale. Thousands upon thousands of warriors' boots. Millions of blood-stained army uniforms all going up in smoke. And all going up in smoke because they're no longer needed. Isn't that a wonderful image? And yet, as we read on further still, we see that it's a surprising one. Surprising because of how it will come about. I wonder if you spotted that as Chris read that passage for us a few moments ago. It won't be brokered through diplomatic negotiations or by a victorious side setting out their terms of surrender. Light will break, says Isaiah, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The light shining in the darkness that will bring about peace, lasting peace, is the birth of a baby, a baby who, says Isaiah, will be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. See, Isaiah says that Christmas, the arrival of Jesus Christ, really is the answer to war. He is the light in the darkness. And don't we long for that? Don't we long for a day when we can turn on the TV and not see images of tanks rolling into Ukraine? When we can open a newspaper or social media feed and not hear an update about a humanitarian crisis in Gaza? Not because it's no longer being reported, But because there is no update left to give war is over if you want it or is it because it is worth acknowledging the elephant in the room i mentioned earlier that isaiah was writing about a child to come who'd be born 700 years after isaiah's day but we have the benefit of hindsight don't we We can speak and can sing now of the child who was born, the son who was given. Jesus has now arrived. And so we have to ask ourselves, how does this image in Isaiah 9 match up to our experience of life after the baby's arrival? Captain Robert Miles, whose words I began with a few moments ago, only enjoyed Christmas peace for a short time, and not just because the truce only lasted for a day, Captain Robert Miles died in action on the 30th of December 1914, five days after the Christmas truce. And his was the first of many fatalities. Estimates place the global count of death from war at somewhere between 220 and 240 million people through the 20th century alone. And last year, around 235,000 people were lost in armed conflicts. It still feels as though there are a lot of boots of tramping warriors. Plenty of garments rolled in blood around our world, doesn't it? The rock band U2 summed the problem up quite neatly, I think, in a song called Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth, they sing. We hear it every Christmas time. But hope and history won't rhyme. It's peace on Earth. And they're right, aren't they? Hope and history don't seem to rhyme. What Isaiah promised doesn't seem to have happened. And so we're right to ask, is this Christmas promise an empty one? Is it a mistake? Is it just wishful thinking? Well, no. It most certainly is not. And to explain why, I'm going to take you from the trenches of the First World War to a modern-day doctor's surgery to your doctor's surgery. Each of us have different thresholds, don't we, for deciding whether or not we should seek medical help. On one end of the spectrum is the person who doesn't really need to go but books an appointment at the first sign of a sniffle. And on the other end of the spectrum, the person whose leg is hanging off but who still refuses to get help. No matter where you sit on that reluctance spectrum, suspend imagination for a moment. Just imagine you've had some niggling symptoms for a while. You're concerned that there might be something nasty behind those symptoms, and so you go to the GP to ask for their opinion. As you sit down, you start to talk them through each of your symptoms one by one. I've got this headache doctor. It's a fairly constant thing. And I haven't been able to sleep for quite a while, even though I'm constantly exhausted. And I get these chest pains from time to time, especially when I'm doing any exercise. And your doctor doesn't seem to pay that much attention to you. Certainly doesn't ask any follow-up questions. That all sounds quite straightforward, he says. I'll give you some paracetamol for the headache, some sleeping tablets for the insomnia, and the chest thing, well, just pop along to the pharmacy and get some Rennies. They tend to deal with that kind of thing. Now, I'm guessing part of you might be glad that some of the symptoms will disappear for a while. But I'm also guessing that you'd be left with some big questions, wouldn't you? Because he didn't actually diagnose anything. Never mind treat the underlying disease, he just dealt with symptoms. And that goes some way towards illustrating why hope and history don't always seem to rhyme. See, Isaiah's promise was written into the darkness of war. But the thing is, that war was not the disease. It was a symptom. The disease was an even darker problem. The darker problem was another war, as it happens, but not a horizontal war with people. It was a vertical war. People were at war with the creator God. They had ignored him, had thumbed their noses at him, told him that they knew better than he did. And that meant that the people could try addressing the horizontal war to come, the symptom, but that wouldn't quite address the disease, the deepest of deep darknesses. Now that was the problem in Isaiah's day, and so it is today too. We are a world, we are individuals at war, not with other people necessarily, but with the God who made us, both humanity as a whole and each of us as individuals. We reject him and his rule over us, think we know better than the God who made us. And one result of that, one symptom, if you like, is that our world is broken. And the data does bear that out. Let me just ask you, if it really were the case that every warrior's boot, every AK-47 and landmine were destroyed tomorrow, all the armed conflicts all over the globe were to stop in a heartbeat, would things be perfect in our world? Would we live in paradise? I think in our heart of hearts we'd have to say no, wouldn't we? Even leaving aside those really significant problems of global armed conflict, our world is still a dark place. We'd still live in a world of conflict in family relationships and friendships, of selfishness and of greed. We still live in a world where the death rate remains at a steady 100%. There are multiple darknesses in our world, multiple reasons for gloom and anguish, and addressing any one of them in isolation Well, it just isn't enough to deal with the real problem in our world. And all of that is why the Christmas baby really is the dawning in the darkness of light. He is the prince of peace. And as we read through Isaiah, through the rest of the Bible, in fact, we find out how the baby defeated that even deeper darkness, that war against God, by bearing it in himself. On a cross. And so John Lennon, it transpires, was right, in one sense at least. War is over. It really is over. If you want it. Peace. Real and lasting peace between us and the creator God who made us. It can be ours. It can be yours right now. If you would put your trust in him. And because of that, because he came to address the disease... We can be sure that one day, all of its symptoms will be done away with. I wonder if you've ever heard of Operation Magic Carpet before. It was the initiative organized by the American government to return all service people home to the U.S., At the end of the Second World War, the Americans really know how to name things, don't they? I think if it was a British initiative, you can't help but think it would be called something like Operation Paper Bag or something similar. Uh, But Operation Magic Carpet is a fitting name for what was a really amazing operation. Eight million men and women scattered across 55 theatres of war spanning four continents, all of whom needed to get home. And yet even though it was an amazing operation... It did mean that for each service person, there was a bit of a lag. You see, they'd won the war. It was categorically over. It was done. They could bask in that victory. But it took them time before they could enjoy all of the benefits of that victory. For some, it was weeks. For others, it was nearly a year before they arrived home. And that is a picture of why hope and history don't seem to rhyme, at least not quite yet. You see, war, the war between people and God, it is over if you want it. He has made a way for those deepest of deep darknesses to be dealt with through trusting in this baby. That victory is a done deal. And one day, says the Bible, that baby will return. Only next time, not as a baby, vulnerable and crying but as a ruling and reigning king. And when he does, then all the fruits of his victory will be plain to see. War will be over, both that vertical war and at a horizontal level. Relational strife will be done. Death itself will be no more. He will throw open the curtains and his perfect light will shine everywhere. And that means that what's left for us to do now between those two fixed points in history is to decide whether we will accept this baby to be our peacemaker, whether we'll trust him as the one who secured peace between me and the God who made me. Now, if you aren't sure about that, or even if you are, in fact, we've got copies of one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life written by a man named Luke for you to take away with you this evening. They're at the door on your way out. Please take one of those with you. That's our gift to you. And along with that, in the new year, we as a church family are running a course called Hope Explored. It will run over three sessions on consecutive Tuesday evenings in January, exploring the hope of the Christian faith. There are flyers that should be on some of your seats this evening, more of those downstairs. We would love it if you came along to that. If you want to know more, then fill one of those forms out and pop it in the post box in the foyer downstairs or hand it to me or to Alan or you can sign up on our website too. Whatever you do though, let me encourage you this year not to settle for Christmas platitudes about peace on earth, but to see Jesus coming for what it is, as a light shining in a dark, dark world, as the Prince of Peace vertical peace now and worldwide peace to come. Thank you again very much for coming this evening and let me wish you all a very, very happy Christmas.